Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. What are you afraid of? You know, my friend Chris Valentin, I don't know if you guys ever listen to Chris Valentin or not, but he says, listen, if you have no fear, you're a mental patient. A mental patient, lunatic, maybe going to the booby hatch. Look, we all have certain natural fears God puts in us, yes? Like the fear of, uh, you know, falling, that's one. Anybody ever have a dream that they're falling and they wake up right away? It's like, oof, you know. And then the big myth, if you hit the bottom, you'll die. Come on. Who started that legend? You know, I'm sure it was a Democrat somewhere. But anyways, <laughs> look, we all have natural fears. We have fear of getting hurt. We have fear of fire if we touch a hot stove, right? We might have fear of Nancy and Chuck, yeah? And so we have these natural fears. So Chris Valentin says, if you are fearless, you are a mental patient. And if you are loveless, you are evil. So you combine loveless and fearless to you have serial problems. The Bible says fear of the Lord is good. And in the Bible, it says fear not 365 times. How many days are in a year? Can we say we worship a huge God? And yet we still walk around sometimes And we will even adjust our entire life, our whole being, our whole accommodation to avoid fear. There are some people that are scared of flying. Some people are terrified of that. And so they'll do everything they can and not fly. They'll accommodate their whole life around that. Some people are fear of public speaking. Anybody here fear of public speaking? Raise your hand. Okay, <laughs> you. Some people are fear of failure. Is anybody here fear of failure? Okay, thank you for your honesty. Me too. But is that a rational fear? I say it's not. Because look, the only way you know how to, that you succeeded is how you failed. Failure is a measure against success. That's why you know you've reached the finish line. That's how you know you get to reap those benefits of that success. Because does anybody know a trust fund kid? Okay, listen, they don't know a lot of times about failure. And what happens generally to those trust fund kids? Not always, I'm overgeneralizing here, but most of the time, they don't do well. They either end up with alcohol problems, drug addiction problems, marital problems, suicidal problems, because they have no understanding what it's like to fail. And they have no incentive to succeed. And I believe God put in our heart that incentive. 
So I'm a 12-year-old Christian. I I came late, but I got here. I ran from Jesus for a long time, and I was good at it too. I've often joked that on the road to Damascus, I got knocked off my Bentley. (laughs) And it hurt. (laughs) But it was the best thing ever, right? And one of the things that I learned right away was that fear of not knowing Jesus was a big deal for me. And so I immediately, once I hit the Holy Spirit, hit me. I mean, it was like, you know. Disney World on steroids, man. It was like, this is so good. And I was at an age of maturity that I could really take in what was happening, so to speak. And so I immediately started reading the gospel. And for the first time in my life, I understood what it said. And I sat there weeping when I was reading Luke. And I love Luke. I think the physician is an an amazing writer. And it spoke to me so good, and I wept. And so for the next, I don't know, 11 and a half years, I studied the gospel. I didn't really go into the Old Testament too much until recently. And my wife and I are doing a Bible study on that. And what I love about Genesis, because I, you know, you hear all the time, you know, he made the everything in six days, right? And he rested on the seventh day. And it's kind of, it's almost like you hear it so much, you just kind of get associated to it. You know, you just get used to hearing that. Well, we're doing a Bible study about Genesis. And what I love about Genesis is the author, God, is speaking us into 15 different ways. Because the eastern part of this world looks at it completely different than the western part of this world. And combined, it makes a beautiful symphony. And I really encourage you to start looking at that because it's really opened up my eyes. And for instance, in Genesis... When they ate the fruit from the tree of good and evil, right? What happened? Their eyes were open. And then what happened? They hid. And then what, what did God say to them when he, when he found this out? What did he say? He said, where are you? And he knew where they were. But he wanted to know where their heart was at. And what did, what did Adam say? I was afraid. And why were you afraid, Adam? Say it again. Thank you. See, we got theologians in our storehouse here. I love it. I was, I was naked. And what did God say? Who told you that you were naked? I made you in my image. I made you exactly the way I told I wanted to make you. I'm God. All right, I just there we go. We're, you're beautiful in that image, right? And so with that, he was what happened to Adam and Eve? They had what? Shame and guilt. And they were afraid because they were naked. How many people have told you in your life that you're naked? Metaphorically and possibly literally <laughs> for you married. <laughs> but metaphorically, we hear from the enemy, we hear from people, perhaps even our friends, hey man, that's not going to work. You're naked. 
You're not going to be able to go out there. You should be fearful of failure. What happens if you go invest that money into that business? What happens if you go and help that person? What happens if you get on a plane and go to Afghanistan, Robbie Dawkins? Who told you that you were naked? And how many times in your life has people told you that you're naked? And so you come back. You won't get on that airplane. You won't go into that investment. Instead, you stay in our comfort zones. Yes? And we get lulled into that comfort zone. And I'm just telling you right now, brothers and sisters, it's okay to stay in there for five minutes, but there's no life in that comfort zone. Because what's going to happen at the time that you're going to go see Jesus You're going to have this one regret. Why didn't I do this? And let me just say to this, regrets are from the pit of hell. I would rather go out there and do a full face plant on national television 16 days out of the month than ever have a regret because I didn't put it on the line to go do that. And if you're wearing the Jesus jersey, if you've got the Jesus jersey on, start acting like it and be bold in Christ. He climbed up on the cross for us because did you think he wanted that? Nelson, what did he say before he went on the cross? Yeah, God, Father, please take this cup from me. You think he was afraid? I do. Because Jesus was 100% man as he was 100% God. Do we understand that? Nope. We don't need to understand it. We just need to believe it. So why do we stay in fear? Why does fear freeze us? Are we afraid of going broke? Stacy and I have been broke twice. I mean, broke, broke. Stacy was pregnant for Brittany, our 31 year old daughter, 32 now. Is she 32? She's 32. <laughs> I'm afraid they didn't know that. <laughs> we were driving through Burger King. Stacy was eight months pregnant for Brittany. And we are struggling. And we ordered a Whopper. And Stacy said, can I get cheese? So I said to the person in the, on the speaker, order cheese. That put us over. And we cried our eyes out all the way home. Did I like being broke? Nope. But there's bigger things to be afraid of. In fact, Brittany was born with a hot check. (laughs) That's right, I said it. (laughs) Presbyterian Hospital, we had a float back in those days. I know some of you genders don't know what a float is, okay? But some of my baby boomers, you know what a float is, baby. That float has saved my bacon a few times, okay? We even had a private room. Upgrade this dog. Yes, I want a private room. Yes. Flowers and candy for everybody. You'll take a check? Yeah. (laughs) Five grand to get out of that hospital. Why not? I got what I got. I'm sorry about your luck. (laughs) But I covered it. But I did it. But that's that. I wasn't in fear. I was in love. And as a man in love, you do what it takes for your family. You step up to the plate and you provide however it looks. And that's what a man does in his kingdom. And so you swallow your pride 
and you take care of it. I think these are the same glasses you've got. I, th- I think we've got kind of the same glasses looking here. <laughs> I like the oil. So when people start telling you that you're naked, you need to remember the jersey you're wearing. And if it doesn't say Jesus, number one on the back, then you're not putting him number one in your life. When I came to Jesus, I remember I was at Watermark, and uh, Stacy and I were over there, and I remember Todd Wagner, he really taught me a lot. He really did. And he, he, we had this private Bible study with Todd. And if anybody ever knew Todd, I mean, Todd is, he's, he, he takes no prisoners in Bible study. And... So we were talking about stuff, and he said, you know, a lot of times, because he knew I was a baby Christian, he says, a lot of times we still go out there and live in a world, the worldly life, without showing up for Jesus. And it struck me, he said, you know, in the Bible, Mike, he said, it says that if you deny me in front of your peers, I will deny you in front of your father. Well, that hit me like the Harry Potter deal right then. And I said, right then, I said, I'm not going to be that guy. So I became an obnoxious evangelist. I was the guy at the party preaching Jesus with a drink in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty soon, I wasn't invited to many parties. (laughs) And that's okay, because look where I'm standing today. And I get it. And I'm not ashamed of loving Jesus. I'm not ashamed of preaching who Jesus is. I was at the Wynn Hotel. I know you guys have heard me say about my gambling uh, fun. And I, do, I enjoy going to Vegas. That's right. I said it. Now, when I go to Vegas, I speak tongues over the casino. <laughs> Shamala Hamala. <laughs> Yeshua. They don't think it's any different because there's nut jobs everywhere out there. They think I'm just another typical nut job on the casino floor, right? I've got Christian Tourette's. I'm sitting out there at the Steve Wynn Hotel and had a big meeting, right? There's like 12 of us there in this meeting. And it was a big business deal. And this was really important business for me. This is, I don't know, this is probably 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And, uh, so we're at a really nice restaurant, and so the food comes, and I'm all on fire for Jesus. And I just said, and my heart started beating, you know. Michael Malden taught me, once your heart starts beating, that's, that's the Holy Spirit knocking on your door, baby, saying, hey, come on, it's time for you. It's time for you. And when you ever get that unction, step into it. Is it fearful? Yeah, but that's what life is made for. That's why he climbed up on the cross. Worst thing that happened, you, get, you die, and then you get to see Jesus. It's not a bad deal, right? So my heart's beating, and I'm thinking, okay, because these are some big players here, right? I'm in a big room, big players, multi-million dollar deals going, possibly. And so I said, uh, gentlemen, I would like to say a prayer. And it's like a couple of guys. <clears throat> and so, and three of them out of eight of them bowed their head automatically. Okay, so I said a prayer. I blessed the dinner. I blessed their friendship. I blessed the fellowship. And I think in Jesus' name, I said, amen. And then we proceeded to have a wonderful dinner, three-hour dinner, great time. So we're walking back to the room, and one of the guys came up to me and said, hey, McIntyre, he said, you don't know how bad I needed to hear that. 
blew me away. And from that moment on, I said, I'm never going to take another, miss another opportunity to proclaim he is king. So my title of my thing, sermon was uh, overcoming fear, but I think it's wrong. I think the only way to really overcome fear is to walk through it. You can't avoid it. Fear not, says the Lord. Because when, <laughs> when an angel shows up in the Bible, the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. Because I got to tell you, I, and listen, I would love for an angel to show up, but also I would like, you know, maybe have a cocktail first. Because <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be, uh-huh, right? Because it's not going to be a little cherub running around with little arrows and, and little heart emojis coming out, right? That's not how he shows up. The king of the universe shows up, and you know it's there. Yeah? And my hat's off to Mary. My hat's off to Gideon. My hat's off to these people that saw Gabriel show up at the front door in their face. Can you imagine? No. And it would just... So he says, do not be afraid. So I believe this. You got three key ingredients. I want you to know this. For me, how I've done it over my life of getting through fear. First of all, Believe, you got to know who you are. You are the son or daughter of the Most High. And if you forget that, then you need to look back in the mirror. You need to get with your community. You need to get in the Word. Psalms 112 has saved my bacon so many times. Financially, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Psalms 112, if you need to go somewhere and get some comfort, you read Psalms 12 until you fall asleep. That, those words are powerful. And my brother's the one that gives it to me. And he's one, he's one of the eagles that I can call up and talk to him about any, anything outside my marriage. If you don't have an eagle in your life, you need to go find one. And you find those people in the eagle's nest. Let me just tell you this, brothers and sisters. You cannot soar with the eagles if you're flocking with the turkeys. If your friends are not speaking life over you, if your friends are telling you you're naked, I'm saying this, find new friends. Even in our community, even in a Christian genre, there's Christians that are jealous and they're envious and they were glad to see you fail. I promise you. They get overtaken by the Jezebel spirit. They get overtaken by fear and they get overtaken by jealousy. And if you're not speaking life over your friends, if you're not speaking and encouraging them, lifting them up, you need to do a heart check immediately. Because if, if, if this world, the secular world, they've got it figured out. Financially, they get it. And guess what they don't get? They don't get offended. And us Christians, we sit back there and say, oh, I got offended by this. My church doesn't do this. That church does. Let me tell you something. There is no perfect church. There's never going to be a perfect church. Whatever building you're in, whatever, it's, maybe it's the worship, maybe it's, the, maybe it's the, the way they do communion, whatever it is, I mean, every church has got its flaws. But what you, the main thing is, do they love Jesus Christ and they're his Savior, okay? That's where you find, as, as Tracy calls it, that's where you slip stream into your plumb line. And it's not about the church going to you and making you happy. It's about you serving that church, 
get over yourself. And I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself here too, because I come up and I am hypercritical a lot of times about the churches. Well, did they play my favorite song? <laughs> right, Bethany? <laughs> and I have to repent because I, I get into judgment as well. But that brings on other things too, which attracts fear. And that's not what it's about. That's what I, I don't believe. So believe in yourself. Know who you are. I've said this before. Your self-talk, 90, 89% of it, 90% of it is negative. And if you don't believe me, how many times have you told yourself, how stupid can you be? I bought that Bitcoin. <laughs> Doge. I should have bought it at 10,000. Now it's at 50. It's a gamble. How many times have you said you're not as pretty or not as handsome as somebody else? How many times have you said, you know, I don't have the money that that person has? How many times have you said that that person gets more attention than me and I deserve more? That's negative self-talk. So the first thing you do to overcome any kind of fear is know who you are. You deserve to be prosperous just because who you are. And your prosperity is different than somebody else's. You have great worth just being yourself. Stacy taught me how to pray. She calls it act. Okay. First thing you do, and this is what I do, I get up in the morning and I adoration. I give adoration and love to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Heavenly Father. Second thing I do is I confess, I repent my sins, my insecurities, my fears, my greed. Third thing I do is ask for thanks. I thank God for everything that I have, for my daughters, for my wife, for my home, for their boyfriends. Are they looking? <laughs> for my son in love, for my grandchildren, for my home, that my car started today. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't thank him for everything, okay, then you're thankless. Because the money you got in your pocket, the clothes you got on your back is from him. And if you don't partner with him, like Tracy said, you're missing a great partner. Bring him along. All right. Self-talk, you got to have it. You got to have positive self-talk. Write it down. Put it anywhere. Have positive influence on your life. Seek wisdom. The second thing, seek wisdom. I know the men's group here is super powerful. I know Rob is, and John are huge into this men's group and, and Richard. And you see, that's where you find other eagles. Seek wisdom right? And what kind of wisdom? You need to have wisdom from people who have fruit in their life. If, you, if they don't have fruit in their life, if you don't see big, round big gobs of fruit in their life, do not seek them out for coaching or mentorship. Pray for them. Find somebody that has a successful marriage, a successful business, a car that doesn't reek, reek of cigarette smoke, and go hang out with those people. Buy them lunch. And look, if, they, if you want a mentor, and listen, when people come to me for mentorship, I say, listen, I'll be your mentor, but I'm also going to be your tormentor. Because I'm coming at you, baby. Okay? And the wind's going to blow strong. You're going to have a Hurricane Ida coming on your head, and you better lean in. Because I'm not sitting here wasting my time, because my time is very valuable. 
And I want, if you're going to come in for me, then we're going to strip down and I, we're going to be naked, but it's a beautiful nakedness that you're going to experience. Metaphorically online. I rebuke you, cancel culture. Listen, none of this is easy. And if you're looking for just to you know, start at the finish line, this is the wrong place to be. It's a process. You got to submit to the story. And the story is Jesus. And it started in Genesis. It started because we worship a God that knows when to say enough. Six days he put this thing together. And he rested. And the last day, the last day he put it together, he said, this is, because each day that he put it together, he said, this is good. What did he say on the last day? Richard, what did he say? It's very good. Because he created you. But he knew when to say enough. He also knew when to say enough when he destroyed it. When Noah came on the scene. He knew when to say enough. Noah knew when he said enough when he got drunk. He had a hard week. You think you've had a tough week? Now, I don't know how long it took him to grow a vineyard and make wine. (laughs) But maybe God blessed him with a nice, you know, couple cases of Camus. I don't know. (laughs) But he sat there on the beach and he just... He was had enough. <laughs> so we worship a God that knows when and to say enough. Yeah? All right. Third thing you got to do. This is a big one. This is, here's, this is what separates the men from the boys, the women from the girls, the wheat from the chaff. It's called perseverance. You want to overcome fear? You want to walk through that fear? You want to get on that plane? You need to go out there. I know there's people in here that do sex trafficking uh, ministry. They walk inside strip bars. You know what that takes? Courage! Yes. That's supernatural courage. Because she's wearing the jersey shirt, right? So she walks in and bold in Christ. And if that's where you're not showing up, if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then act like it. Don't play a small game. Show up big. As we all say in NLE, showing up big because God showed up big for you. You show up big in tithing. You show up big in offering. You show up big in extravagant giving. And you show up big in loving your family. And you show up big for people who are in hell. And you're designed, you're the Ananias to go over there and reach down there and bring them out of that hell, out of sex trafficking, out of drugs, out of addictions, out of feeling lonely, and avoid them from having suicide thoughts. Then you step into that place and fill the gap. Yeah? Is it easy? Nope. But let me just tell you this. It's rewarding. Persevere. It takes courage. Chris Valentin told me to watch uh, Brene Brown. Anybody see Brene Brown? So look, I listen to everything Chris Valentin says, just so you know. Bill Johnson, not so much. 
Okay. And I love Bill, all right? I think Bill Johnson's great. He's a godly man. But when he steps out there and says, September, and the whole crowd goes, ooh. <laughs> Bill just said September. Profound. Okay. It might be to some, not to me, but when Chris Valentin comes out there and he says stuff, I get what Chris says. Okay. I think because Chris has been broke like me before. <laughs> We have this brokenness relationship, right? And so, look, I love Chris. If Chris tells me to wire $3 million to a Nigerian princess, it's on its way. That's how much I love Chris Valentin. If you don't listen to Chris's podcast, listen to it. So look, perseverance. Don't quit. When I was first got into sales, I was really good at it. But every now and then, you'd have a bad week. And I went to my manager, my tormentor, <laughs> and I said, I said, man, this, this sales deal, this thing's horrible. I hate it. It sucks. He said, listen, McIntyre, listen good, son. He said, you can quit all you want. You can quit morning. You can quit noon. You can quit after every appointment. You can quit every day, seven times a day, a hundred times a day. But here's one thing, son. Don't tell anybody. Listen, I've been down in Beaumont, you know, anybody ever heard of Beaumont? Okay, it's not the Golden Triangle, okay? I'd like to find the, the PR person on that deal, okay? Because they, they did a masterful job on that. But I've been down there, seven-hour drive back to Dallas, and I would quit to that windshield 500 times. Get home next morning, get up, and man, I was off to the races. Don't quit, because you've got to trust the process. And what's the process? Here's the process. It's nobody's guaranteed a perfect outcome, but you can take the perfect partner with you, and his name's Jesus. And when you take, when you, it's like I told that story last time about David Green, you know, Hobby Lobby guy. He told me about how he wailed out and was frustrated and was having a difficult time, and he finally came out from his desk and and God says, listen, I just want to partner with you. And he said, I'll do better than that, God. I'll make you the CEO of this. And I'll give you 70% of everything I bring in. And he wrote a check for $500 million for the museum, the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., and didn't break a sweat. Now, y'all been to Hobby Lobby, yes? yes. I don't get it. I bought a frame there one time, put it in my back seat, drove home, which was two and a half miles away, and it broke sitting in the back seat. But God loves David Green, let me just tell you that. Because they be wearing Hobby Lobby out. And I, what I love about David Green is he's, he wears the Jesus jersey. Every three months or six months, they have it. Uh, orientation of all their employees come in. I think it's up in Oklahoma. And he'll have 80, 90 employees in there, right? And they go over everything. HR goes over everything. Then he'll get up and the lawyers tell him, David, please don't do this. And he does it every time. You know what he does? He preaches the gospel. And there's believers. There's non-believers. There's probably a few Democrats in there. He doesn't care. He just goes all in right? He goes full throttle, deep water. And guess what? He gets 80% of the people to give their life to Jesus during that deal. Now that's a CEO. 
who's partnered up with Jesus Christ to go out there and make a difference. I love that. He also fought, he fought the Obamacare package in, in uh, Washington, D.C. at the Supreme Court and won. He rep- I think they did this uh, little nerd on uh, the nuns or whatever it was. Do you remember that deal? Yes, those poor nuns. I could tell you about nuns. Read my book. It's all about the nuns. I grew up Catholic, by the way. And I love the Catholic Church. Me and my brother loved it so much that my mother, she was single at the time, and uh, she'd go out every now and then, right? Saturday night, single woman in her 30s. So my brother and I, we loved the Catholic Church so much, we would go around the house and set all the clocks back one hour. Because we would get up for Mass, right? Because my mother was a devout Catholic at the time. And so we'd go up for Mass. And as we're driving in to Holy Rosary, everybody was leaving. <laughs> the first time, we got away with it pretty good. Like, what happened? I don't know. I don't know. My brother and I, I don't know. Well, let's just go to, let's go to McDonald's. Yay! My mother was so Catholic, we used to have to eat fish on Friday. You know, back in the day, some of you Catholics know this. And so about the fourth time okay, that we set the clocks back, she got wise to this. And my mother's Irish, okay? Mm-hmm. So when we fight, and we, went, we were smart, though. We had this stuff plotted out. We didn't do it every Sunday, right? We would do it like every fourth or fifth Sunday, you know? So anyway, she finally caught on. So the last time we went in there, here we come in, pull in the corner, you know, because she's frantic getting ready. You know, she's, get, she's got five kids, single mom. So we pull the corner, they're all coming out, and here comes off the shoe, okay? So any of you had a mom that took the shoe off? Yes, yes, okay. And listen, this shoe had a GPS guidance because we would leave there, and she would throw that shoe, and it could, it could hit us. I mean, we've even serpentined through the parking lot, and that shoe was serpentine. She was a master. She should have been in the Olympics if they had a shoe-throwing contest. But we, we figured that, listen, we would rather have the beating than listen to Father Rob's homily, okay? <laughs> Father Rob was 82,000 years old. <laughs> Sweet man, loving man, but man, those homilies were a beating. We figured we'll take the real beating. It's like Disneyland compared to hearing Father Rob. So don't, so in, in this process of, of walking through fear, okay, stay focused. Keep your eye on the prize. And who's the prize? Jesus. Oh, you guys are good. You guys are good. Here's the other thing. And I've talked about this before too. There's a Jewish principle. And listen, the Jews are the chosen people. They are anointed in business. They're anointed in commerce. And they have an anointing on them. And if you don't, Stacey and I have some dear Messianic Jewish friends, and we listen to what they say. And the first Jewish man that let me make a million dollars is named Hal Altshuler. And his uh, sister-in-law was Ruth Sharp Altshuler, Ruth Sharp Collins Altshuler, very wealthy family here in Texas. And he used to tell me, he says, Michael, he said, when you get in, and this is before I knew Jesus, and, you know, uh, he said, you got you to gotta get out there and don't be fearful of things. And if you do get that way, just remember this, put blinders on. 
Whatever you're doing in business and in your life and your, whatever it is, especially in business, if you've got a new business idea, he said, put blinders on and stay in that river, okay? Or as they say in Australia, that river, <laughs> stay in that river for three years. You don't look left, you don't look right. You look straight ahead and you concentrate and you give that business 100%, 100% of the time. And after three years, if that business isn't spitting out money and you're making profit, then you cut bait. But if it's making money, now you pour the coals to it. Now you add the nitroglycerin to it. Now you add the flamethrowers to it. Okay, And that's how you're going to build that business. But so often when we go into business, and I know we've got a lot of entrepreneurial people in here, we get fearful at the first, at the first little setback, at the first little disappointment, at the first time somebody doesn't pay you, at the first time that the vendor messes something up. And then maybe your wife or maybe your husband or somebody starts telling you how naked you are. And we fold. And we miss it because we're not going to persevere that way because we're not trusting the story. We're not trusting the process. We're not giving it 100% because we get into this fear and Satan gets into this deal. And then you know what happens? We isolate. Now we're isolating. And what happens when we isolate? Oh man, that's his playground. Now he's going to come in there and he's going to play with your head. This is why you've got to go to friends in the community. And if you don't have those friends, like I said before, you lose those people. You find people that are going to speak life on you and help you out. Seek wisdom. You measure twice, you cut once. And listen, I know we've got some analyticals out here. Stop it. The heart is the conduit to Jesus. He made a choice to love us. He made this choice. Don't analyze the situation. Stay in your heart. Stay out of your head. You can hire somebody to analyze stuff. There's MBAs out there that need a living. There's CPAs that need something. There's lawyers out there, a dime a dozen that need something. Throw them a little something, something. You stay in your heart. You get in that vision. You get on that mission, and you stay focused. You say, if it's to be, it's up to me, and I'm going to walk out there because Jesus Christ is my partner, and I'm going to trust in him, and I don't care what anybody says. I'm not naked. I am fully clothed. And you know what God did when he said that you're, they're naked? You know, because he loved them so much, he sewed them clothes. Who's going to sew clothes for you? If you don't have friends, family, wife, or husband that's so enclosed for you, you need to find out what's going on in your life. How are you showing up? Because you've got to show up for them. People always say, man, I want more friends. Well, I said, then just start being friends with other people. Because like Zig Ziglar, my buddy, always said, the more you help other people get what they want, you will get what you want. And it's biblical. It's just, like, it's just like Tracy said, you know, sowing is biblical. If you don't plant any seeds in the soil, nothing's going to grow. And so often we get into the fear of giving away. What are you fearful of? Here, we live in the United States of America. You can eat anywhere. If you get into a community church, that's what I love about these churches. I think we should do away with the complete welfare system and let the churches take care of everybody. 
I see, the, I see Tracy and John love people. I've never seen people being loved like these people love people. And they sacrifice constantly for people. They dip into the benevolence fund, and if it's not in there, they pony it up themselves. And what they give out to people is a rare thing. These two people are rare. They're superhuman. You know that. They got like 3,000 grandkids, okay? And then they've got, I don't know, seven kids, and then they've got 15 different projects, and I'll get the Marco Polo. If you're on her Marco Polo list, I'm sorry. But she'll have Marco Polo, and diapers are flying everywhere, and bottles are flying everywhere. And then she's over there praying with somebody that's got the Delta variant. Then she's over there playing with, doing something and changing a diaper at the same time. I said, who are you? I tell Stacy, I said, we are terrible grandparents. <laughs> I've never seen a grandparent like this. Never. I want you guys to know something. Those two sitting there are rare. They are so rare. Are they perfect? Not at all. But I've never seen people really take on the jersey, Jesus jersey, and become the hands and feet like they do in the natural. I've never seen it. In any kind, in, in, and I've, I've been around some wonderful pastors. But Tracy's not a pastor. She's an apostolic leader. And we need more. We need people in this room to step up to the plate, not saying, hey, I want the church to do this. I want the church to do that. Is she going to make mistakes? Yep. But so are you. And I've never seen somebody forgive like she forgives. And I know some of the bullets that are thrown at her. I'm blessed to be in storehouse. Stacy and I, I've got my daughters here with their boyfriends. Stephanie's here. And we got some amazing people come in and see us. We're, I'm glad to be here. Is it perfect? Nope. There's not one on the planet that is until he comes back. So change is inevitable in the church. There's going to be change. And so when change happens, what, what comes in is the enemy comes in and says, hey, now it's different you don't have the same comfort zone. And what's going on? You should be worried about this. That's how Satan gets inside these communities. Because Satan wants to come in here and he wants to conquer and divide. So you guys are blessed to have this leadership here. Matthew's get on fire. Matthew, you know, Matthew, if you don't know this, but Matthew's probably one of the smartest guys when it comes to theology that I know. And you've got some talent up here. Did you see these kids up here? Not only can they sing, but they're good looking, man. I mean, doesn't hurt. All right, I'm going to close now. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you my last thing. And for the next five years, here's the two major things that are going to change your life that's going to make a difference in your life. Okay. There's two things. Obviously, you've got Jesus, number one. Okay. But two, there's two things. Okay. And I, I'm going to give credit to this Charlie Tremendous Jones. I hired him about 20 years ago to come and speak at one of my insurance conferences. And he taught me this. He said, Michael, there's two things. Godly man. I wasn't, didn't, wasn't even thinking about God at the time, but, I remember him now, and I wish I'd have known Jesus then. 
because I could have shared so much. So, I, so I'm looking back at this time when Charlie Tremendous Jones was ministering to me as a 34-year-old, cocky, successful CEO entrepreneur. And he said, Michael, there's two things in your life that's going to make a difference to you. Two things. Number one, the books you read. The books that you read. And here's my list of authors that I love. Eric McTaxis. Michael Malden turned me on to Eric McTaxis. If you haven't read anything about Eric McTaxis, you need to start reading. Mac, uh, yes, M-E-T-A-X-E-S. Eric McTaxis. Max Licato. I love me some Max. Mark Batterson. Let me tell you about Mark. You guys know about Mark. Circle Maker. Amazing book. A book that changed my life. I think Lance Walnow gave it to me. It was In the Pit, in the Lion on a Snowy Day. Samuel 22. Changed my life. Men, I encourage you to read In the Pit with the Lion on a Snowy Day. It'll change your life. You will become more of a man after you read that book. If you receive it. And listen, we don't need any more leaders in this country. We need good leaders. We need godly leaders. And the pit and the lion on a snowy day by Mark Batterson is one of those. Of course, the Bible. Here's the second thing Charlie Jones told me. First, you've got to have a good, the books you read. The second thing that's going to change your life over the next five years is the friends that you have. Birds of a feather. Seek out the eagles. You need them. They need you. Be an eagle. Be the one that steps up to the plate when they're down. Be the one that you can call to and say anything to them, and they're not going to be in judgment about you. Instead, they're going to speak life over you. If they need to write a check, they're going to give you a check. If they need to pray with you, if they need to cry with you, if they need to love with you and laugh with you, or just sit there and hold your hand with you, Stacy and I have a good friend we've known for over 12 years, and she lost her husband on July 1st. He suddenly died sitting in a chair next to her. And we, we minister to that. We've experienced death. And so when somebody does experience death, you go minister to them, especially if you've experienced death. If you've experienced broke poverty and somebody's having a tough time and you've walked through that, go minister to them. If somebody has fallen out of faith and you've had your doubts and you've had your heart checked and they're having a problem, you go minister to them because baby, you're wearing the Jesus jersey and it's time for you to show up on the 50-yard line and take that ball down there and score a touchdown. Yeah? All right. I'm two minutes past. If anybody, I'd like to say a prayer and thank you for the tunes. So I want to say a quick prayer and if somebody wants prayer, they want to come up and, and be prayed over for fear or whatever you want. Yeah? Is that good? Can we have the prayer team come up? Come on, prayer team. So, Father God, (laughs) Lord Jesus, you gave it all. And you are worthy of it all, Lord. And I ask right now, God, there's people in this room that are are frozen in fear. And God, we ask that that they, they don't try to avoid the fear, that they just walk through it, God. You are the perfect partner with them, Lord. We ask that they partner with you, Jesus. You become their CEO of their life, their CEO of their business, the CEO of their marriage, the CEO of their family, and over their temple, Lord. That they can walk through anything, God. Just like Daniel did, they danced around in that, God. We thank you, God. We thank you for the blessings over this body, with the leadership here over Tracy and John Eckert, God. That they continue to be your humble servant leaders, Lord. 
We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, the King of all kings. There is no other above you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. We thank you for taking the cross. We thank you for walking through your fear and not accommodating yourself when you could have done it so easily. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.